Welcome in to 11 Personnel, Nick Roush, Adam Luckett. Hanging out with you Thursdays at lunchtime, where today we're expected to be joined by Kentucky Offensive Coordinator Liam Cohen, uh, who I think I, I think he was our last – we were his last interview, maybe, before he departed. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to have him back. Uh, Going to be excited for that. But Luckett, in the meantime, while we're, we're waiting for him to chime in, uh, there's been some Kentucky football news. He's got a new coach, kind of, sort of, in a way. Right? We we had a couple yeah. of uh, off-field shakeups, um, which were significant because we got kind of used to seeing C.J. Conrad around. But here's the thing, look, at GAs, you can't be a graduate assistant forever. You eventually got to get a real job. And uh, Kentucky made sure that he was sticking around and getting a real job with the Wildcats. Yeah, going into the – quality control role right right which is a coach but just not on the field mm-hmm. um, but so yeah i mean i think it's a nice like soups coaching trees growing a little bit here drake jackson ga um courtney love slid back into a ga role last year and now it's cj with after a couple years now he's going to still be a part of the staff and still um have a big part of the offense i mean like the qc rope as it's described or it's been described to me it's you know, a lot of scouting work, um, a lot of working ahead, um, helps with personnel decisions, all of that. And so I think CJ it show, it shows a lot. Like I, I've Nick, me and you have both heard through the grapevine that he's been really impressive mm-hmm. um, so far early in his career. And so Especially I props to him. Re- recruiting aspect, right? Like he's no, – no offense to, to Vince. Vince is very relatable, but he's also not – 23 or whatever you know like that these kids just relate more a lot to him and if you've ever had a conversation with cj too like he's a very normal guy right and and i think kids relate a lot to him when they're on campus and he can't be a recruiter right he can't go on the road and i think there's limitations to communication and stuff but when they're on campus he's talking to them yeah and i think when they have these recruiting camps nick vince is doing Recruiting things, right? He's going around talking to parents, riding people around on his golf cart. He doesn't really have time to go coach <laughs> um, when guys are going running through drills. And so CJ will have a big part in that. That, that The QCs, I've noticed, have a huge part in these recruiting camps about just running them um, and getting a chance to hands-on coach guys. So that's Mark Perry, um, who's been a, was a long-time high school coach here. He's kind of runs the quarterbacks. Josh Estes Wall. It's very involved, and CJ will now be very involved. And those are all quality control coaches on Kentucky staff, and so he'll ha- he'll get to do some stuff like that, and he'll get to do some other stuff. Uh, and we just heard good things. Like last year, Nick, he was the guy on the field who, when Rich Gangarello went to the booth, CJ was kind of the point of contact for the quarterback for Will Levis mm-hmm. um, in the play con. He was sending signaling the plays in after he got after he heard word from Gangarello up in the up in the booth, and so. He's made. He's got some real strides, and it's a guy you know everybody's familiar with, right? Everybody knows mm-hmm. who CJ Conrad is. Throw the all to the tight end. Throw the ball to eighty-seven, and so he's very familiar. Um, I think sometimes the fans here talked about him like he was Travis Kelsey. Um, sometimes, but uh, <laughs> he had a very good career here. Has played right away, and it's Mark Stoops always like went out of his way, Nick, to say good things mm-hmm. about Conrad, and so it's no real surprise that he's having all the success early, I think, in his career. 
No, it, it, it's not a surprise at all. Um, and these are the type of guys like if Cohen or Brad White, you you get a coordinator hired, right? These are the type of guys that could maybe parlay that into a bigger job, a full time role. Uh, when these guys maybe take group of five head coaching jobs, if that ever happens. Well, and there's also uh, some precedents too for how you know the kind of coaching ladder works. I mean, Scott Woodward was he was a. Uh, was he a GA or an actual assistant at UMass before he got the quality control at Pitt? He was an off-field and, coach at UMass. Okay, so yeah, so he he kind of did the off-field thing and then rose up that way. Other coaches will kind of do the assistant at a smaller school and then kind of bounce their way back up. So this is one way to go about it. And um, I know I know Cohen's a big fan of CJ's as well, so his future's bright. Uh, that, but he wasn't the only one too. They also hired. Uh, a new special teams quality control coach to play some Louis Matsakis. Uh, Mike Pfeiffer, I, I think I'm saying that right. The PR is throwing me off there. Yes. Uh, but he's a third-generation special teams coach, special teams. Uh, in uh, her family, his dad the most Cleveland Browns, uh, and he has a ton of experience elsewhere. So uh, what, what it said to me, too, like it is, Jay Bolwer's coming in to do what Jay Bolwer does, right? Like you're giving him the special teams coach, completely give him the the reins, you know, yeah. let and him that, get and roll with it. And this is number two, right? And so, like, he's just got an extra hand. Mm-hmm. And it's also, think, you know, allocating resources to fix special teams. A full-time assistant coach is a special teams coordinator. Quality control guy is a clear number two who's going to help scheme things up. And mm-hmm. kind of watch a lot of film and break down opponents and all of that good stuff. Watch for so ways, times and situations and fake opportunities. Yeah, That's right. So they're you know Kentucky football has a salary cap. They're committing um, a good percentage of the cap hit to fixing the special teams. And so that's that's really the sign to me that it's a new slate, two new guys. Uh, but they're I don't think they've ever had this per se. Um, with Matt Sackis, it was all they always had like co-special teams coordinators, but that was just I think title only. I think he was kind of he kind of yeah. set everything up behind the scenes. Now, two guys, one full time on the staff with major Power Five experience, and this guy Mike Pryfer, uh Jr. like pedigree. His dad's a longtime special teams coordinator, and so he's got some experience there. He's probably got some pre- a pretty good reference sheet. And now he can come in at SEC and kind of be a number two guy on his way to maybe trying to find a full-time special teams role. And so, again, committing resources to fixing a problem, I think that's a good step in the right direction for Kentucky's third phase. It certainly is. It certainly is. And um, I don't know if there's a snap of the finger necessarily overnight, but I, I, there's certainly, if something goes wrong, we know who to blame, right? That, And I think that's a lot of the, – the, if it felt like there was a lack of accountability when, when things went awry and they did often last year in the special teams department, it was like, what the hell's going on? And not to mention too, you have some pretty darn good specialists in your return game, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. you need to take advantage of that opportunity when you can. When Bowden won Kentucky some games with his play on special teams that they can do that again with Barry on Brown. He's that dynamic of a playmaker. Got to give him opportunities to, to change the game in special teams. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really see it at all last year, but Tavian Robinson was one of the best punt returners in the country at Virginia Tech. 
Kentucky never really tapped into that, so finding a way maybe to tap into that this year I think will be important. It could be a sneaky value that nobody's really thinking about. If he could if he could find a little bit of that that playmaking that he flashed so much at Virginia Tech, if that could show up at all, I think that could be, make a potentially a big difference in the game. I'm sure there's some people who are like, "What the hell? We're supposed to have Liam Cohen on? I got to listen to these jerk offs." <laughs> like, don't, don't we're we're efforting, we're efforting. You know, sometimes take some time. He's a busy guy. Uh, we're working to get him on. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, there was there was a couple other developments, and. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to start on w- making fun of other teams and having Cohen just pop on while we're – but I kind of want to make fun of other teams. Let, let, let's just talk – Combine's a week out. <laughs> so, how how are you feeling a week out from another trek to Indianapolis? I'm excited for Indianapolis, but I'm – I'm worried about the – the, ba- the 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 baggage that's going to come with the Will Levis narrative stuff because there's going to be a lot of I feel like there's going to be a lot of as much as people were gassing him up leading into this part I think this is the part where they try to tear him down feeling yeah mind. yeah that yeah that's the uh, the uh, the smear campaign for Kentucky's offensive line is coming like it's already it, started the wills are emotion on that had a tweet this morning like it's it's the first of many first domino to fall so that that is coming uh. The closer we get, Nick, I just feel like it feels like it's going to be the Panthers. Like I'm at this point where I, th- Bryce Young is the first to go off the board, and it's going to be between the Colts and the Texans, which could get a spicy trade up because they're both in the same division. Right. So if you lose out on this guy, you have to face him for the mm-hmm. next what a, you know twice a year for the next. Which, How many years? Shout so out this to the is Bears for you yeah, know being in yeah. that spot, right? So they 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 hold the cards here. Those two, um, the Texans and the Colts, and along with the Bears, uh, figuring out who goes where. And of course, uh, the Texans holding the number two spot, and then the Colts are a little bit down the line. I feel like those are the two places where Stroud and Young are going to end up. Both of those are total rebuilds. They need to draft a quarterback. They don't need to be going to get a free agent. Draft a quarterback. Two brand new head coaches, align the head coach and quarterback, and go. And after that, it gets a little tricky. Like, what, what, who's going to do what? It's a big question. But to me, I think the Panthers, they could go free agent again, but that hasn't really worked lately. Yeah, the new head coach, new head coach Frank Reich's, Reich has never really gotten a rookie quarterback. It's always been free agency stuff. Mm-hmm. Let him get a rookie quarterback and grow with him. You look at the Panthers. Good, good offensive line pieces, good defense, some good running backs. DJ Moore is a good receiver. Like some pieces are there for Levis, I think that that potentially would be a good spot for him. That's a team that could be the favorite to win that division uh, here in a couple here in you know in the summer when those odds come out. So I think that's where he's going to end up. I, that to me, that Panthers seem like the team, and they may I try I think they're at the A spot right now. I could see them trading up to maybe fifth or so, scooping up Levis and him going to Carolina playing the NFC South. I'm also curious, is 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 Wright going to call plays, or is this because they also hired Thomas Brown? Who I would assume Wright's calling plays, yes. Because he's going to be the offense coordinator. He was a McVay guy uh, mm-hmm. that was on the staff last yeah, year right. with Cohen, and he might have even still been there the first time around. So He was, I'm pretty sure, at some, at some point. Yeah, so some, some potential familiarity there. 
Uh, you know, Charlotte's a nice place. I, I've seen a lot of Raiders buzz. Uh, I mean, some of that's just coming from yeah. like projected pecking yeah. order. I think uh, the Raiders are going to Raider and just free agent it with McDaniels, whether it's Handsome Jimmy or somebody. That, that would be such a bad place to go. And not, I mean, yes, you have the weapons, but Josh McDaniels is just such a train wreck. I mean, he is so bad at his job, and which is actually remarkable that he, I don't know how he can be the only person that can call plays or Belichick, but also such a terrible head coach. He's just, yeah, it's, it, a, it dude, it's a good, ex, good example how it's two different jobs. Right, mm-hmm. Ca- play calling and then head coach. They're just two different jobs, and so there's a certain skill set that each needs. Not everybody has both of those skill sets, uh, and so I think you're looking at McDaniel's. That seems like an area he really struggles with. Uh, and so the Raiders are just in. Like, what, like what is Devonte Adams like thinking right now? I got this money, but I came here to play with my guy. Now he's going to be out. Now they could just bring in a random free agent or a you know, roll the dice on a quarterback. They're just not in a great situation there. They're in Las Vegas. Tough division. And you're, you know, the Chargers and Chiefs look like the teams right now in that division. And the Broncos have one of the best coaches in the NFL right now. So it's tough spot, I think, for the Vegas Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert as, like, your peers to be compared against. Not exactly ideal either. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's – Further down the line, I'm also curious. Like, how, how how do we think Chris is going to test? He doesn't. It's kind of like the apprehension I felt going into Benny's. I I do think Chris is a little more explosive athlete than Benny Snell, but yes, the Benny Snail joke was low hanging fruit. That was too good, right? Like, I, but I I do have a little bit of worry because Chris has always felt like. Um, like he's never going to be the guy with all of the shine, but he's also really good at just being good. You know, like he, he's just a good quality running back. But I, I fear that he's going to get lost in the shuffle. And I, I just don't know which – if there are any guys besides Levis that will pop and if Levis even will do enough to pop. Yeah, a couple of things with C-Rod. This draft class is just stacked at tailback. I mean, it's a ridiculous class at tailback you're going to be able to find a good player who could potentially start for you fourth, fifth round. And I think that's where Chris is going to kind of be. Uh, he's just in a loaded tailback spot. And for him, you know, you just hope he goes to a place he could play right away. Um, and just, it, it just fits for him. I, mm-hmm. But he's going to go, I think. Because a lot fifth. of it's. And I don't, I don't even think the testing doesn't even matter. Like running back, the production is a production. He's put it all on tape. You know what you're getting with him. And so I think fourth, fifth round is just just what he's looking at. A lot of it's due to how loaded this tailback class is. You know, a lot of it's due to the value mm-hmm. the NFL puts on the tailback position right if you, now. If you looked at franchise tags, it had the lowest value of every position. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like, especially telling somebody that in the 90s. Imagine just going back in your time machine and telling uh, Pop Pop Luckett that – the running back is going to be the least important position in the NFL 20 mm-hmm. years from now. It's, it, it is staggering, mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's just kind of, kind of his situation. And you just have to, like for me, I just hope he goes somewhere where there's going to be an avenue for him to play. Um, 
and it's not a, with a terrible offensive line, in that he could just have some success and, mm-hmm. and you know play and maybe play a few years and then hopefully stick around for that second contract. But you mentioned Snell. If you dig into some of the Steelers stuff, like he's really found a home kind of special teams production. Yeah, covering yeah. kicks, covering punts, kick return team. Like you know, he's got a chance to extend his career. I think Nick here a couple of years because of that, and that it's more money in his pocket, right? So I mean, props to Benny from for doing that. It's not easy. Like going from the star, right, at Kentucky. Like you are the offense. You had mm-hmm. there was like there was an avenue for playing time with the Steelers when you got there. And it kind of disappeared. He wasn't that bad too when he got enough carries, but he is a uh, he 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 he's got a, drafted over. Yeah, he got drafted over. But even even like it's just he has to have x amount of opportunities to be able to get production. Like putting him in in a spot is not where he succeeds. He kind of builds momentum as a runner, right? Uh, it's not just like let's give Benny the ball and on any given play he can bust like a thirteen yard run. No, he like wears on you and kind of leans on you throughout a game, which. He's just not going to get that opportunity with Najee Harris there being a first round pick. Which, by the way, Najee Harris, after he's been like, why are you spending a first round pick on a running back, Steelers? Like, Jeez, Clyde Edwards Hilaire make it cut. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's just a yeah, over Pacheco, who was a yeah, what, seventh seven, rounder? Yeah. Yeah, like it's just, it, there's no need to, to spend your draft capital on running backs. It's just, it's just not, not worth it. By the way, Pacheco, if he was in college, he would get called for targeting the way he runs. He uses his freaking head as a battering ram. Like, it's yeah. it's, it's unreal. He just, die. I, I watched him run, and I was like, how did I – I knew who that guy was. Like, I heard his name, and I've watched I watched Rutgers a couple times, but I never like, oh, that guy's good. Like, he was just, like, hidden up there. And then he runs like the – I mean, you were like Rutgers. The ta- it's hard to know, watch Rutgers and say, oh, that guy's good. He runs like the Tasmanian devil. I mean, it's just – like how did like this guy would have this guy should have been fun as hell in college. Like how did we not people not know about this this cat? Yeah. But that's yeah. just that's the position though, I think, you know. So much he he's now in a wide open offense instead of no one could block mm-hmm. anybody maybe in front of him at Rutgers. Yeah, it's wild. And he he was an he was an awesome tailback for the Chiefs this year. It's a reason why you might might be bullish on uh, Ray Davis stocks, right? I don't think Vanderbilt's got a bunch of Holly yeah. offensive lineman rolling. I through. wrote about KSR plus join now Check ten bucks until August. Davis, I wrote about him this week, and basically the point was, you know, he played for a bad offensive line last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at Football Outsiders metric, which is adjusted line yards, which is pretty much like the line gets hundred percent credit of get um, yards gained zero to three. So are you creating room to run, and then? The back gets then they get fifty percent credit for five plus yard runs. Vanderbilt was last in the SEC in that metric. They were hundreds nationally, worse than Kentucky. And so, like they, he didn't have a lot of room to run, but he still, you know, he somehow found a way to run for a thousand yards and was a huge part of their offense. And when they got humming their Nick, when they won't mm-hmm. beat Kentucky, when they beat Florida, he was a huge part of that. Had four one hundred plus yard games in SEC play. So he's proven that he can provide something if you give him some room. So I, I said, you know, he has some of the, the things you look for, like Snell and Chris had size, power, break tackles, uh, can fall forward, create two yard gain out of a zero yard gain, stuff like that. 
Now, I don't think he's as good as those guys, and he's got very limited burst, so he's not going to provide many big plays, but he can just keep you ahead of the chains and gives you an option. Like, if you want to milk some clock and churn some first downs, let's give this guy the ball and see what he can do. So I think that was a big pickup just in that regard because they really don't have that in a guy like that in that room. I think Ramon Jefferson can maybe provide something like that, but we don't know what he's going to look yeah. like this year. I mean, we Tom didn't know McClain, he was going in when he was healthy. Right. You know. McLean and Wilcox are both smaller backs. Right. Lavelle Wright's bigger, but I think he's got to make some big strides here this offseason. Mm-hmm. I think it's a critical offseason for Wright. Yep. Uh, Davis is just a proven commodity. He's going to be a good tailback. He's going to gain some yards. He's not going to be very explosive, but if if you if the line's doing their job and getting hat on hat and blocking and creating some movement, they should be able to get three, four yards and get them out of bad down and distance situations. The you you brought up something though, moving the sticks, keeping drives alive, chewing up clock. It's going to be easier to chew up clock if college football proceeds uh-huh. with some potential rule changes. Uh, one of which is uh, uh, th- there were four, but a lot of them are keeping the clock rolling. And the one that I think has a chance to get past is the NFL rule. We're not going to stop the clock on first downs. And it's under my assumption that that's that's the case, but then when it goes under two minutes, I think, in a half and in the yeah. second half. Under two minutes in a half and in a game. That seems like an easy, easy one to me. I would do yeah. it for the whole game. I think that's the easiest way to chop off ten minutes, if that's what you're looking to do. Yeah, the I, – I, under two, though, if you get a two-minute drive, you can pick up a first down. That at least you you have yeah. time to run a play instead of just having to like spike it or something. Where mm-hmm. like it, it, the quality might of two-minute drills yeah. might go down if you don't well, have that. But the the one rule that they did have in there that I think is just changes too much would be that an incompletion doesn't stop the clock. Because, yeah, that's a hard no for me, right? Yeah, because then like you're you're rewarding teams that can't run the ball. Like, no, you should – to run the clock, you should have to actually run the clock. I mean, um, I was kicking and screaming last year with Jeff Brom at Purdue because he couldn't just chew up three minutes or four minutes clock because he couldn't run it. He couldn't run it against that Penn State yeah. front seven. Well, you should reward Penn State for being that good at stopping the run. You yeah. can't just chew up clock just to chew up clock. My thing with the just running it on first downs, it makes timeout usage so much more important. Like mm-hmm. you can't be burning timeouts because it's third and six and you're going to take a delay game at at your opponent's forty two. Like you know, you just you can't burn. T- you have to save them for end of half situations. Uh, you got to that in itself is going to make the game move faster, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to be burning timeouts in the middle of the first and third quarters. And so that that helps speed it up there at the end. And then if you add, you could add in the two minute warning, but I guess the, having the first down stop under two minutes, I think that takes away the two minute warning. So then now talking that out, I kind of I, I do like that. Um, that one I think makes perfect perfect sense. Um, Kentucky real we don't really have to deal with this. Kentucky games are we're in and out. You know, three hours twelve minutes. Like they well, don't really have to until it's a seven thirty SEC network kick. Those those go to eleven thirty no matter what. Yeah, let's pull up. See, college football stats has all the game times listed from last year. So we'll pull up Kentucky 
316, 335, 307, 304, 307, 304, 319, 321, 329, 309, 302, 312, 304. Not one one game went over three and a half hours, Nick. And that was Florida <laughs> in week two, where there was a bunch of stoppages late. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. Florida and Kentucky trying to run out clock and all that. Like, they're getting in and out. <laughs> so this is going to have, and you'll never believe this, the Iowa, or no, it wasn't Iowa, it was the Georgia game. It was the shortest game, three hours and two minutes. So Kentucky's getting in and out. It's more of so teams that pass a lot, you know, no huddle, spread teams. I really do think they want, like, just having 90 plays per side in a football game is ridiculous. What was like, that's, the that's game playing a game and a half. Almost. There was, there was the it was Texas Tech and I forget who that we were listening to on the way back to Lexington and that game took a hundred. I mean, it started when the game ended and at the UK game ended and we were done working and driving back here. It was like a five hour football game. Um, Texas had a four hour game against Texas Tech had a four hour game against Houston and a four hour game against Kansas. Those are the one. I mean, all, Miss Ole Miss bowl game lasted three fifty nine. Oklahoma three fifty four. I think it was that Oklahoma game, Nick. Um, yes, that's it. That's it. Because Dylan Gabriel caught the. Yeah. Uh, they threw a pass to him in overtime, and he got freaking lit yeah. up. That was that. Was NC awesome. State three forty two, Texas three. Th- this is who the. This is their target. The big right club. here. <laughs> or team, not not just that. It's teams that play like these tempo, run a lot of play. These games are lasting over three and a half. Almost all of them over three and a half hours. This is what they're trying to get rid of. Like th- these games do not need to be four hours. Right. Right. That's who. Well, that's who they're targeting. And for um, so for Kentucky, what are we? What are we you think average what nine, ten possessions, ten possessions a game? Give or right take? at ten. Yeah, and those games are averaging like almost double that. And I think where it does is it it, it helps. You meet in the middle a little bit. You meet in a little bit of uh, a little bit more. Um, I did like your tweet though that I'm looking forward to. Uh, Georgia Kentucky game with eighty five <laughs> Well, and I think the exercise or the thought process here is the season's going to get extended, right? With this new playoff, you're going to play mm-hmm. more games. Yeah, take the snap counts down. Can we can we take the snap counts down? Extend the games, make it as close to even as possible. So then they can present the data. We've shrinked games by this much. This was the average snaps in a game from. You know, from this block of data, this was the average snaps a game. We've taken it down, so essentially we're playing the same amount of snaps, even with the extra. That's what I think they're trying to do. Um, I do like this, like next level. This is galaxy brain stuff right here, right? Well, <laughs> I'm uh, a gift. I, I do have an update on our Galim. He got called into a staff meeting, so emergency staff meeting. Might get him today. Might get him later. Either way, uh, what do we think the staff meeting's about? Uh, probably what the damn media is saying about him. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe no, what, what, to subscribe to KSR Plus. All of you do that in here right now. What what uh what what would a staff meeting in February? Like I'm I'm genuinely curious besides the recruiting stuff what day to day is like in the off season. Cuz you know they can only do so much with the players before spring ball begins, which spring practice is a week from Monday, folks. It's right around the corner. I know we're not we're still going to have plenty of coverage of it. But it's not going to feel the same without a spring game at the end as a sort of crescendo. Um, but there, it's right here. It's going to be right around the corner. Um, I'm I'm excited for that. The one thing that I'm hoping to at least get, like how, how much is Devin Leary going to do? Is he able to throw with those guys? You know, like that's yeah, that that that's that's huge. That's a huge if because if not, 
you know, no offense to the other guys, but it's just different, right? It's just different. You don't feel like you're getting as much out of the spring ball. Yeah. For me, spring is not so much about, like, the starters. We know – I know who – I think I got a good grasp on, like, who 18, 19, 20 of the 22 starters are going to be. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like these second-level players who grabs, like, the job with the number twos. Last year, Jordan Lovett. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Popped up out spring. of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. now, Nick, you look at – he's – and this is my – KSR Plus, again, shameless plug. I wrote about Jordan Lovett today. Uh, went up at noon Eastern. He is just, he fits the mold, and he can do a bunch of different things. Kind of in the Mike Edwards, um, use a corker mold where he can come down, he can play in the box, he can he can be a run support player. Uh, you know, they use him in coverage, they play a lot of zone, but he can do a lot of different things, and he's going to be a guy that can potentially be their next star back there. A guy you mm-hmm. can lean on for 75, 80 tackles, couple picks, three or four tackles for loss a year. Um, and gives them another piece, cornerstone piece, I think, on the defense uh, to to really kind of reach their goals. I think they have mm-hmm. a few of them. When you look at Trevin Wallace, J.J. Weaver, Deion Walker, all those guys, like I think they have more star power that he, this year than they had last year. But it's going to be can you raise the floor because last year's defense had extremely high floor because uh, a lot of veterans that, that they had. So figuring that out, like who is that going to be this year? Who are we going to see really take a big jump? Like does Isaiah Cummings really get back in the mix, right, at tight end? Is he right. really a guy they, they talk about? Nick Hall, does he make a jump similar to Lovett where he grabs the number two spot and he looks like a guy that can maybe play this year at either left tackle or right tackle? Grant Bingham at guard, does he make a jump as a redshirt freshman? It emerges maybe a quality backup guard at either yeah. spot. Re- receiver. Also, how- the edges, right? Like how mm-hmm. yeah. you got one. How are they progressing? And JJ's mm-hmm. had injury troubles, right? Like there's no there's no denying that, yeah. you know? Like you, you're going to have to lean on some of those guys who are going from year one to year two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, uh, you, you're getting ready to say receiver. There's a lot of dudes in there, right? Yeah. Like how, how's it, how do you how, – how's where do they stack up in the deck? Right. To me, big spring for the Kale Crowdis. You need to grab a spot right now. You need to find a spot in the offense. If it doesn't come this year, it's going to be. I think it's he's going to be kind of climbing uphill at that spot. How does what do the tailbacks look like? Where is Alex Safari playing? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of things that can shake out because um, we know there's a lot of knowns. I think with this team, like Derek Jackson, Trevor Wallace at linebacker, JJ Weaver at Jack, Dion Walker up front. Um, you know, and you got Ox, Ripka, Hayes. You got a lot of experienced Saunders all up front safeties. A great spot at safety. You're legitimate three deep once Jalen Geiger gets back healthy with him. Love it. And Zion Childress. Corners and unknown, like J.K. Hardaway. I think he's a big one to watch yeah. this spring. Vaughn, I mean, you, you hit it too. But, like, can Keyshawn Silver be anything this year? You know, like that. We're, we're kind of getting our coverage ready because next week we'll be at the Combine. So, we want to have some stuff ready to roll out. And getting into the defensive line, it's like there's a lot of guys who have just done a little here and there. But, like, you can't just sprinkle it in at times. Like you need to uh, Octavius Oxen down. Like what is, is Ox going to get back to being the Ox we thought he could be? You know, it, there's just a lot of Deion Walker though. He's one bad some bitch. Uh, I'm curious. So yeah, I've dug into the tape this week, Nick, and I'm going to clip a bunch of stuff. But he is just <laughs> there's just some. I love your face right now. He's you have so to, good, isn't he? Like we all know he's good, but you really have to like you have to 
go out of your way, right, to watch a player like that, to see what he's doing every snap. Because sometimes he's making great plays and it's just not – The ball's going away from him. You know? Right. It's I mean, just, but there is just a lot of stuff on tape that he I'm, is I'm, just – So Like the, this, the Mississippi this, State game, he just completely wrecked them up front. The, the Florida game, there's obviously a couple snaps there. And then Louisville, like the Louisville game, I went back and watched that this week. I mean, he just – I mean, totally wrecked them up front in – Caleb Chandler, their left guard, and Trevor Reed, their left tackle, are two guys that are probably going to get drafted. And he just, I mean, he's just big boy them. And he's 18 years old. You think about a year to grow and develop, um, to fine-tune a lot of things. Like, because um, he's got a lot of the quickness moves. What he needs to get better is just like more of kind of explosive power, like hand swipes, powering through people, mm-hmm. I think, quicker than he did because – it took him a little bit to get the bull rush going last year. If he can do some of that and really ramp up that pass rush production, if he gives you like a three, if they can line him up a three technique and just overpower guards in pass protection and line up Weaver on the other side, if he's demanding double teams, Weaver's going to get a lot of one-on-one speed rushes where he's going to have the chance, I think, to tee off. And those two together, if they can come up up together, that you could see that pass rush, I think, really take a big jump this year. The this, this kind of merges what we were talking about with the combine to this. Uh, there's a guy named Ken Lee Platt on Twitter. Let me, I'm mm-hmm. going to pull up his handle. Math he bomb. does something called math. Okay, math bomb on Twitter. His uh, yeah, at math bomb. He does something called RAS, where it's basically here are your combine numbers. He puts it in a nice little clean graphic. It, it, you have to be an idiot to not understand it. Green, good, red, bad. Right, yellow middle. Yeah, he creates a composite score. And when you looked at all of the all-pro guys this year, they were all at at edge, at pass rushers. They were all just off-the-charts athleticism. Mm -hmm. And one of the things Walker discussed was, hey, I I actually need to – like, I'm a big dude. I kind of want to see how quick I can get. Um, He was – he's listed at 348 on the updated roster. I think he wants to get that down a little bit. I'm just curious what he can be because he is – he can have a bunch of greens in there. Like he has the potential to do that for his size and his position. Yeah. It's just a, you know, let's let's have an off season in the weight room to see where his body takes it. Yeah, for me, he was 330 last year. I think that was a generous 330. Uh, he was probably more towards 340. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, it's just – I. I don't really care about the weight. It's just how you move at the weight, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, everybody's different. So, like, if he's moving, don't lose your power. Don't lose your burst. But if everybody carries weight different. So. Yeah. Mine goes right to my belly. I guess yeah. Go. <laughs> so, I, I don't have, a, you know, it's a, I want to see how he's moving. If he is 340. And take the weights with a grain of salt uh, more times than not. That's but I just want to see true. how he's moving. But, but don't mess with 23 him. 23 bounds for To, to me, don't mess with them. Just, all right, Dion, let's work on the bull rush today. Let's work on swipes, but just do what you do. You know what I'm saying? But if you can play, you can play, you know? Like, it's just not right. Like, a lot of this isn't rocket science. Hey, that dude, they can't block, so let's not mess that up. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Maybe yeah. we'll work on some fundamental stuff. Uh, oh, but, yeah, man. I mean, you can't let your weight balloon, but I don't. I mean, yeah, yeah. Keep it under control, but as long as you're doing yeah. what you need to. Right, right. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. A lot of that stuff, too, is figuring out. Like, like Vito Tisdell being smaller and losing weight. Like, who cares? He's, yeah. he's going he's gonna to be Vito. Uh, but, like, to me, what gaining 
23 pounds. Like that's what he needs to be able to play that position. So um, I don't know. I'm excited because but the, getting through like February can be kind of a slog, right? Like like this is the doldrums of the college football season because it's yeah. before the pre-draft stuff, uh, before we get into spring ball. Um, we still had – we did coaching carousel last week. By God, this thing keeps turning, and holy crap, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And I don't know what's funnier, Scott Satterfield having his guys leave for promotions because th- it happens – it seemingly happens every year where they're like, oh, I'm going to go to Louisville. Ooh, there's a job in the NFL that looks a little bit better. I'm going to take that. All of his guys that came in were just like, eh, I'm going to back – it was like a total uh, – walks into the room and just puts his head down, turns right back around, walks yeah. right back Simpsons. Down. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know if that's funnier or Florida losing their DC after one year. Well, it's not just their DC. They lost their tight ends coach, lost their receivers coach. And in their spring practice, I think starts on like the fourth or the fifth. I mean, they're like a week out from mm-hmm. spring ball starting and they got three roles to fill. Now, good thing he Napier has 780 support staff members. They can just plug people in there. Assistant to the regional manager. But that's not good. Like, I mean, he hired Austin Armstrong, who's a defensive coordinator at Southern Miss last year. Uh, Nick Saban just hired him to be the linebackers coach. That's got one year of play calling experience. I mean, that is green. Mm-hmm. Uh, heading into a big, big year with Florida. T- and that they're ten Power Five opponents. They go to Utah. They host Florida State, and then they got the eight SEC games. It's just, and they're def, they're, that's just asking a lot, yeah. You know, from him, I just don't like. It's just not trending well for Napier. It seems like there's some red flags popping up to me. Oh no! It, what a shame. Because the recruit, the recruiting, I don't want to hammer the, the recruiting class was good. It just didn't have the star, power. the stars like yeah, the, the yeah. quarterback, and then they missed out on Cromani McLean, mm-hmm. who was at the the like the biggest Florida pipeline at Lakeland. Uh, those are just guys they got to get, and they didn't get them. Uh, you kind of go through, uh, Nick, the top 20 recruits in Florida that weren't like IMG guys. They only got a couple of them. Mm-hmm. You know, so people are still coming into their backyard and pulling talent, pulling top-shelf talent. It's just – it's not a good sign. And then we saw this with Kentucky last year, losing Cohen so late really hurt. Like, this is the worst time to lose a coach. But you can't yeah. really do anything about it because they've moved the Super Bowl back. And then the NFL, then all the ripple effects that come with that, the coaching searches just go longer in the NFL, right? And then mm-hmm. you got to refill the staffs. And so that's just – that's a lot to lose. I mean, we'll see. I mean, it could be – you make good hire, you could upgrade there very easily, but upgrading at three places would be hard. And you look at Napier, like the big thing with him was organization, detail, has a great plan. He's going to hire all these great assistants. Well, he's missed on – I think he missed on two or three of his top defensive coordinator targets last year. Yep, and this guy kind of stunk, right, for his defense wasn't great. Yeah, and he was – so he just bring the he promotes the guy that called plays for, I think, two, one or two seasons for him at Louisiana. Uh, things did not go well. He's gone, and it's the same guy pretty much. That guy worked for Napier a couple years at Louisiana, called plays for Southern Miss last year, had a good year. But he's only thirty three years old. Thirty three years old. He's just that's just young to have that, you know, it's a big gamble with, with that much inexperience. So yeah, I mean, it could work out. It could not. But yeah, things are just not. It's not going well uh, for old Billy Naps. Oh man, no, not going well. Um, 
you know, Shane Beamer, he's uh, he was on with our guy pick this week. The media tour has begun. Yep, yep, it's uh, it's beginning. Has he got any guys at the combine? I'm trying to think off the top of my head, I think Jovan Gwynn, their starting guard, might be there. Because they had some um, defensive guys, but I think those guys were the year before. Like J.C. Horn, and yeah, they were all, oh, man. It's real well, Kingsley, Kingsley and Barre was last year. He played for the he Packers was this year. year. Um, I'm trying to think. Defense. They, Cam Smith, oh, the the cornerback. He, he's what, he'll be a maybe first-round pick, so he'll be there. Well, we might see Shane walking around Indy. Gladhead <laughs> joining the show. Right. I wonder if Radio Row. Like, I wonder if he just has, like, a sign held up, like, we'll talk for free. He's got to have a publicist, right? Reaching out to people all the time. It's crazy. Absolutely He's got crazy. to. Absolutely crazy. Uh, we will have. Uh, Did we talk well, about Notre, Notre Dame last week in the Jerry Parker? Briefly, briefly touched on it. Yeah, um, I watched Marcus Freeman's press conference, and I'd never seen this from a coach. He was pretty much like because usually it's like it's the old can. This is the only person we offer the job to. He was our top candidate the whole time. Freeman came out and said, was like, yeah, we tried to hire the Utah and Kansas State office coordinators. They said no. So we moved to Jerry Park. Like, pretty much said he was his third option, which was, I was like, you don't hear that very much. So, no, no, no. You props really to don't. him for the transparency. Yeah. Um, but it makes Andy Ludd look, look, you know, build some props there. You know, you don't aren't playing mm-hmm. the, the he said, she said game like we got with the Eddie Grand one. That was it. To go back, how many off seasons ago was that? Was that 2018? Yeah, I think it was yeah. after. Yeah, because they moved on. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, and they hired uh, Coley, I think, and that was just for one year, and then they got Munkin. Yep, yep. Well, things are changing. They're rocking and rolling. We're gonna effort to get uh, Cohen on, uh, if not next week, week after. We'll figure it out sometime. He's never too far away, right? He just can't be Shane Beamer Jr., you know, like and just go all willy billy whenever. Uh, he's he's got work to do. Mark Stoops, he puts those guys to work. So um, we're going to be up in Indy Thursday morning. Carrington Valentine is going to be the first guy we talk to. And then uh, should be a lot more. Should be a lot more stuff to, co- uh, yep. to come from that. That's going to, I'm excited for this trip like it. I'm very excited. A couple, couple podcasts in Indy. Mm-hmm. So you gotta figure us. out how to do it because instead of, uh, that, that's gonna be fun. Jump Checking through those hoops. I'll have some. We'll have some draft content up this week. May have a mock draft. Oh, that I'm cooking up right now. Oh uh, man, it's now these are hard to do, Nick, because I don't like the trades are just like it's just like who's getting what, blah blah blah. So those are hard to do. So I don't know if I'm gonna do one with trades, but when does? I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't mess with that. Um, well, when, every, when is free agency? When is that? When's when's that happen? March, that's really what a lot of it's Mar- uh, I think it's like March tenth, March twelfth is when it begins. But all those, but you see this every year. Like it opens, and there's all these signings, right? Yeah. Like oh, how they come to? How do they come to get those deals? That happens this week in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, agents meeting with teams, un, you know, under the table handshake agreements. Right, right. That that all happens this week, and then at, mm. once the free agency is settled, then it's gonna the draft picture becomes a lot more clear. So once that once that's in the barn, one thing you don't know that we're is on the agenda too this week, like it is typically. I was on the ball this year. I was able to sneak in and get us a spot downtown. So we're gonna have to go to the JW Marriott, and, and that's and, I was and gonna say watch. that we're gonna have I to go to the say, bar and people watch. I, I was gonna say that to you, JW Marriott, huge. Huge hotel 
And I'd imagine it gets pretty rowdy in that little sports bar, or cocktail bar, or whatever they got in there. Yeah, we're, so we're gonna have maybe to, maybe we'll be over to over here some uh, deals being done, some back backroom deals. <laughs> Man, who who do you think is the coach that gets after it the most at the combine? That's a good question because I I feel like Andy Reid is definitely enjoying yeah that's the easy answer. <laughs> he, he's enjoying the steaks, right? But he's 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 like overindulging in the food, not the the libations. Uh, um, I bet Brian Dayball crushes beers. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good call. The way Arthur Smith celebrates. looks like Arthur Smith looks like the Falcons oh. head coach. He looks like a guy that crushes beers. Rabel too. Rabel crushes beers with like a hog in. You know, like bet, he's like spitting and drinking in the same cup at the same time. I bet Doug Peterson's a good hang. Doug doesn't Doug Peterson? He's like he was built for Jacksonville. It's like he's morphed into Jacksonville. He just kind of, he he has that look of like the cool high school teacher who just coaches football, right? Like he's a history teacher, just like kind of messing Doesn't around. Too hard, yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> back in the day when they had smoking lounges, you'd see him there. He's putting up a, you know, he puts on glory for you to watch, and he's up, you know, at his computer or he's got his notepad yeah. out, he's drawing up plays. Yeah, like, like this educational movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Well, it's going to be exciting. We'll have plenty more from up there. Um, but for now, that's all from us, folks. It's Adam Luckett. I'm Nick Crouch. So long, go Cats and go Croker.